morning and happy new year. Welcome to Cross Connection Church online here for 2022. Of course, this is the second Sunday in 2022, but my first time in 2022 with you. And now I'm back to our main sanctuary here to get into the scriptures, kind of, today. But before we do get started, I want to share a couple of things with you. One having to do with something that happened in our community this last week, and then another having to do with the message that I want to share today. First, uh, this last week on Tuesday, we lost a friend and a beloved local pastor to COVID. Pastor Ray Bentley at Maranatha Chapel passed on Tuesday due to complications from COVID. And um, just saying that, I'm still pretty shocked and stunned by it. I've known Pastor Ray for nearly 20 years. Cross Connection Church is just about 15, 20 minutes from Maranatha Chapel, and we have a common connection with Maranatha Chapel through the Calvary Chapel family of churches. Pastor Ray was a good friend and one of the most gracious pastors that I knew. He pastored here in this community for a very long time, and um, I guess you could say by a lot of metrics, he's very successful in pastoring. And when I say that, It's not just that he pastored a large church, which he did, but he was very successful in pastoring people and loving people and leading people to the Lord, preached the gospel for many years from the time that he was very young. And as I said, he pastored a very large church here in North County. And though he pastored a large church, he wasn't a large church guy. He was very down to earth. He loved to laugh and he loved to joke and he was always easy to spend time with. And as I said, he's one of the most gracious people that I knew. He was always super kind to me and to my family and a blessing to myself and a lot of people that I know. And so our hearts and our prayers, they they go out to Pastor Ray's family, to his wife, Vicki, and to their daughter, Annie, and their son, Daniel, and their grandkids, to the whole Bentley family, and to the Maranatha Chapel family as well. Whether you knew Pastor Ray or not, I would ask you to please keep the Bentley family and Maranatha Chapel in your prayers. This was pretty unexpected and just a devastating and difficult situation to walk through. And really a a stunning reminder that we just don't know what tomorrow will bring. That's kind of the first thing, if you'd please be praying for the Bentley family and for Maranatha Chapel. And before we go any further, I just feel it's important to just lift them up to the Lord right now. So if you would, wherever you're at with me, just follow along in prayer. Father, we do come before you right now and we lift up Vicki into your hands and Annie, Lord, and Daniel, and the whole Maranatha Chapel staff and leadership and family and many people who are a part of our church here at Cross Connection Church have a connection to Maranatha Chapel. We, we all have some sort of connection to there. My kids went to the school at Maranatha Christian School. Lord, we just, we lift them into your hands at this time. It's never easy to lose a family member, but there's just something about it happening during the holiday season, right at the beginning of the year, and then everything that's been going on with COVID over the last couple of years, just the, the circumstances that surround that. Lord, we just lift Ray's family into your hands. We pray that you would minister your grace and your mercy and your peace to them. 
Lord, the scriptures say that you are the God of all comforts and the Father of mercies and that you comfort us. So we pray, God, that you would be a comfort to the family and we pray, God, that you would comfort the church at Maranatha Chapel this weekend as they are gathering right now at the same time that we are gathering to worship here. They're just down the road from us worshiping together and we just ask God that you by your spirit would minister there in that place and just bring your grace and your mercy and your peace to the body in a troubling time. God we thank you that our ultimate hope is that we will be with you as Ray is right now and he preached about your coming and he preached about seeing you face to face so many times passionately. He loved you so much and he looked forward to seeing you and he's with you now. And Lord, in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand pleasures forevermore. And so Lord, we praise you for that reality that we have. We do not sorrow as those who have no hope. Our hope, our ultimate hope is in you. And your, your word says there in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5, that we are to comfort one another with these words. So, Lord, I pray that your word would be a comfort to us in that respect. And we do just lift Vicki into your hands, the Bentley family, Maranatha Chapel. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's somewhat hard to kind of pivot from that to the second thing that I want to share today. Um, it, it seems out of place. It's hard to kind of jump from, from that that I just shared to this. But... I wanted to share that what I'm going to be talking about today needs something of a preface. This isn't like the typical message that I share. In fact, I don't have any points for you to fill in the blanks for this message. So you could, you could literally say this is a pointless message. And I don't really have a passage that I'm going to go through systematically like we normally do here at Cross Connection Church. We're committed to going through the scriptures line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, just as we read in the scriptures and the book of Isaiah. We're not going to be doing that today. I am going to be getting back to that. But I do think that it is important from time to time that we take a moment to, to refocus. And so what I'm going to be talking about today is kind of like a state of the church address. As we move from one year into another Sometimes it is important to kind of get our bearings and to answer what I think is an important question. An important question is, how did we get here? And so that's kind of what I'm going to be doing with this message this week. Now, don't worry, we will be returning to our systematic study of the scriptures soon. But every year for more than a decade, I have begun the year by talking about who we are as a church and what we do as a church and how we do it as a church. In other words, we have traditionally begun the year by talking about our mission and our vision, our values, kind of our strategy as a church. So that's what we are going to be doing today and for the next few weeks. But this message is something of a setup for what I'm going to be talking about next week, the week after, and so forth. So again, it's to try to answer that question, how did we get here at this moment to get our bearings as we're moving from 2021 into 2022. I don't know about you, but for me, it is pretty hard to believe that it's already 2022. And I'm sure that 2022 is going to go by as fast or faster than 2021. We live in busy times and the busyness of everything makes it seem like things just go by quicker and quicker. 
And in all the business, busyness, it is good, I think, to pause from time to time to slow down for just a moment and to, as I said, kind of get your bearings, to reassess where am I at, what's going on, what's all this stuff happening around me. So hopefully over the last couple of weeks through Christmas and New Year's, you had a moment to do that. It maybe gave you at least a moment to stop and breathe. For about the last 10 years, we have closed our office here at Cross Connection Church between Christmas and New Year's. So I had a little bit of time to pause and to think and to reflect. And in doing so, I began to realize, again, it was not the first time, but began to realize again that everything that has happened over the last two years has changed us. It's changed each of us individually. And I'm not sure that we realize the extent to which our world, our culture has changed. Each, is a, each of us have been affected individually. We've all changed personally. Many of our tasks at work have changed. The rhythms with our families have changed. Life at the school that you go to has changed. Our society has changed significantly. The reality is that all of these things would have changed anyway. I mean, time changes things, things change through time, but COVID in the last couple of years has accelerated the change. I've talked a lot about this, especially early on in the pandemic, that COVID accelerated a lot of trends by at least 10 years. And so COVID has accelerated the change. And since change in and of itself is difficult, accelerated change creates compounding challenges. It can be even more difficult. Now, not all the changes that we've experienced are necessarily bad. Some of the ways that we and our society have changed might actually be good. If I'm being honest, I kind of like being able to buy things online and have them show up the next day. Or this last week, my wife bought something in the morning online and it came and was delivered to our house that afternoon. Like that's mind blowing to me. I, I'm old enough to remember buying something through a catalog and it taking like four to six weeks to show up. Maybe you remember that back when you were a kid. And now we just click the little buy it now button and in all likelihood, you'll have what you ordered the next day. So some of the things that have changed, we kind of like that, but be that as it may, rapid change is in some respects destabilizing and it's stressful. So it brings challenges. And as I was reflecting on this over the last couple of weeks, I was reminded that there's so much that has changed here at Cross Connection Church in the 14 years since I was called to be the pastor of this church. Now, some of those that call Cross Connection Church their home church, some of you were here before I became the pastor and you have stuck through with a lot of change. You've been here through a ton of change. And I can't even really express to you how grateful I am to those of you who have stuck with us through the many changes that have taken place here at this church, going back to the 14 years ago, just before I took over to the church until now. Your faithfulness and commitment to God and this church are a blessing and encouragement to me. Now, my family began attending this church when I was about 11 years old. So I've been a part of this church for more than 30 years and a lot has changed in 30 years. For many of those years, this church was called Calvary Chapel of Escondido, but 
10 years ago this year, back in 2012, we changed the name to Cross Connection Church. When I first started attending the church, this church, Calvary Chapel Esnito, back, you know, 30 plus years ago, it actually met at what is now my kid's school. One of my daughter's classrooms is about three doors down from where I went to Sunday school as like a fifth grader when I was starting out at this church. And at that time, the pastor of the church was Pat Kinney, my pastor, Pat Kinney, pastored this church for 27 years. And he faithfully taught through the scriptures, just like we continue to do. And he established a pattern for us that we continue today. Now, he didn't invent that pattern. He received that from other people, just like Paul talks about in 2 Timothy chapter 2, faithful men taught the word and taught it to faithful men who taught others to teach the word. And Pastor Pat was faithful to teach through the scriptures. And and I was blessed by that, and my family was blessed by that, and many people were blessed by that over the years. But he established a pattern in my life that we continue to this day. And he and the other leaders that led this church decades ago, they built a ministry that equipped the saints for the work of the ministry, which is the calling that God gave to me when I first started out teaching through the scriptures, you know, 20 plus years ago in Ephesians chapter 4, that we are called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so the leadership of this church for many years, they were committed to equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. They were committed to discipling and raising up leaders from within the church. My life and my ministry are a byproduct of their commitment to discipleship. It's a very rare thing for someone to grow up within a church and then to take over the leadership of that church as the pastor. And I think it's a really good thing. It's a right model to follow, but it's very rare. It doesn't happen very often that that takes place. But that's what happened here at this church because the leadership of this church going back many, many decades were committed to discipleship and equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. As I was reflecting on the many things that have changed for this church over the more than three decades that I have been a part of it, I was blessed by the things that have not changed. Though the name of the church has changed, then the leadership of the church has changed. Our commitment to the scriptures and our commitment to discipleship, that continues. Our desire to please and honor and worship God, that has not changed and will not change. Our commitment to lifting up the word of God and making the gospel of Christ known, that has not changed. We still see it as our responsibility to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And we recognize that we have been called, the, the church as a whole, but the leadership of the church, we have been called and commissioned to go and proclaim the good news of the gospel, to make it known however and wherever we can. And as we are at the beginning of another new year, I want to take a few weeks to return to some things that I'm hopeful you already know these things. That is, if you have been connected to Cross Connection Church for any length of time, then you should already know some of the things that I want to share with you. But it is important to remind you, for us to be reminded about who we are and why we exist as a church, why we're here, what we do as a church, and then how we do it. So the last two years have been, as everybody knows, I mean, it doesn't, you don't need me to say it, but they've been a challenge. But in spite of the challenges, God has a mission unto which he has called us. And even though our community and our culture has changed significantly, the mission that God has given to us as Christians and as a body of believers here in North County, San Diego, 
the commission has not changed. But I do believe that when the conditions of a community and a culture change, the church needs to adjust so that it can more effectively fulfill its mission. But here is the interesting thing. We, Cross Connection Church, began making changes more than a decade ago. Before any of this COVID stuff happened, we started to make significant changes so that we could try to reach our community more effectively. And that that we started more than a decade ago, I believe it put us in a better position and maybe even in a better position than many other churches to more effectively minister in a community and a culture that has drastically changed. In 2009, as I began my first new year as the pastor of the church, I, I started pastoring this church in April of 2008. So January of 2009, my first new year as the pastor of this church, I shared with the body right from this same platform behind me, I shared with the body here at the church that our mission or our vision in 2009 was to simplify and focus. Maybe you were even here when I talked about that. So our mission in 2009 was simplify and focus. It was such a big thing that I was trying to promote here at the church that in about the spring of 2009, about March, April, we got a big, huge, like, 40 cubic yard dumpster and put it here in the parking lot so that people within the church could simplify and come and throw away a whole bunch of stuff, do some spring cleaning at their homes and clean out their closets, clean out their garage and throw stuff away. I think we dumped that 40 cubic yard dumpster like seven times. So all of that was to emphasize this mission that I was trying to encourage our church with to simplify and focus. I didn't know it at the time but that mission was going to take way longer than I expected. And what I mean by that is not just the mission to maybe clean out your closet or clean out your garage, which I probably need to do. Um, we probably all need to do, especially after Christmas. But the mission to simplify and focus as a church, it took way longer than I ever expected. And that's one of the things that I've had to learn as a pastor, as a leader, and sometimes uh, not with the best attitude, sometimes begrudgingly, I've had to learn this. Most of the things that I want to see change or be transformed take way longer than I expect or want them to. Things always go longer than I anticipate. Simplifying and focusing as a church, it took years. But the question is, why, why was that even important? Why was that mission necessary? And really, it comes down to one word. Why, why do we ever need to simplify and get rid of stuff at our homes? It comes down to one word, clutter. When I became the pastor of Calvary Chapel of Escondido in April 2008, this church was a lot like most other churches just like ours in our culture. And when I say most other churches like ours, I'm talking about many of the non-denominational you know, Bible churches, like Calvary Chapels, or like Southern Baptist churches, or like many of the EV Free churches. So many of the contemporary sort of churches that you would find in communities like ours, Calvary Chapel of Escondido in 2008 looked a lot like those churches. Our church had a ton that was going on. We had a Saturday night service. We had two Sunday morning services. We had discipleship classes on Monday night. We had 
women's Bible studies on Tuesday mornings and Tuesday nights. We had a midweek Bible study on Wednesday night and youth meetings on Wednesday nights and children's ministry on Wednesday nights. We had men's Bible studies that met in homes on Thursday nights. In addition to all of that that was going on here at the church, I was teaching a three-hour class every single week at Calvary Chapel Bible College. We were busy. There was something happening here at the church nearly every day of the week. And we had short-term mission trips and outreach trips and big outreach events and tons of external ministries that were effectively running through the church. So every different ministry had its own leader and that ministry had its own vision and that ministry wanted its own budget and that ministry wanted time to be able to share on Sunday mornings and the announcements and wanted a place in the bulletin and things on the calendar and rooms during the week. It was something happening all the time, constantly. And in many respects, a lot of that stuff seemed really great. It looked like looking from the outside or looking at the list of ministries on the website, it looked like a very fruitful organization. But if you remember back to the end of 2008, early 2009, our nation, and really not just our nation, but the world, was experiencing chaotic times. You know, it's hard for us to kind of look back and remember the chaotic times that were happening 10 plus years ago because of the chaotic times that we've been going through for the last two years. But if you rewind and you go back to 2008, 2009, we were in the midst of pretty chaotic times. In fact, you may not remember it, but we were back in January of 2009 at the beginning stages of a viral pandemic. Um, it wasn't COVID, it was swine flu. And thankfully swine flu wasn't, didn't end up being as big, though it, it was pretty deadly and had some problems. And I know some people who got sick with swine flu. I know of a couple people who died from swine flu. So in January of 2009, we were at the very beginning of a, a viral pandemic with swine flu. We had just come through a challenging and chaotic presidential election season. And we were in the early days of a massive economic downturn, what now is called the Great Recession. Not the Great Depression, but the Great Recession. In the midst of all of that, I found that every time I would talk with people here at the church or out in the community, when I would talk with people and I would give them the standard American greeting, what's the standard American greeting? We always ask people when we greet them, how are you? And the standard response, it seemed at that time and today as well, oftentimes the standard response to the standard American greeting when you say, how are you? Someone says, busy. Busy was the standard response. I was busy. The church was busy. Everyone that was a part of the church was busy. Everybody outside of the church was busy. We were busy, busy, busy. And as 2008 came to a close, my wife and I, we had just bought our first house and we had just brought home our first child, Ethan. And I kept sensing that I and we as a church, we needed to simplify and focus. What I realized at the time was that we as a church didn't have a clear mission. We didn't have a clear vision. We didn't have clear values or strategy as a church. I realized that we were too busy. Our calendar was cluttered way too much for us to be able to have a clear focused vision. So I felt that we needed to simplify and focus. At that time, when I was thinking about these things, there were two passages of scripture that kept coming to mind about focus. And coincidentally, 
those two passages were passages that I shared two weeks ago in my last message of 2021. And it wasn't my plan to share on those passages, but those were two passages that were on my mind as we were closing out 2021. And it's interesting, I went back and I looked at my notes from 2008 going into 2009, and the first message I gave in 2009 was simplify and focus. What were the two passages that I talked about? What were the two passages that were on my mind? First one was on focus in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you were here with us two weeks ago, you know that we spent a considerable amount of time talking about the word seek in that passage, but we also looked at a passage in Colossians chapter 3, and that's how I started the year in 2009 as we were simplifying and focusing. So Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. I didn't realize it two weeks ago when I gave that last message in 2021, and I used those passages of scripture, and I talked about seeking and setting your mind on things above and putting off the old man and putting on the new man. I talked about that a couple weeks ago. You can find the message online on our YouTube channel or on our website. I didn't realize it when I shared that message two weeks ago that that was the perfect setup for what we are talking about today. But to be able to fulfill your purpose and the mission that God has for you or for us, we need to have the right focus, the right aim, and the right mindset. And we need to be able to, to be able to aim and focus, you need to simplify, to put off some of the old things so that you can focus and put on the new things. And that's exactly where we were in January of 2009. In part, that's where we are again at this moment. I certainly didn't see it until just the other day when I was sitting at home in my office and thinking about these things, kind of meditating on these things, but the chaotic elections, the economic crisis, the pandemic of 2008, the swine flu pandemic of 2008 and 2009, they were like a preview or a precursor to the utter chaos of 2020 and 2021. And what is amazing to me is that I was sensing at that time, at the end of 2008, was this this desire to simplify and focus. And it led to a multi-year simplification for myself and for our church. And that multi-year simplification was preparation for what was ultimately coming in 2020 and 2021. We could not have known that back in 2009 when we put before the church simplify and focus. We had no idea that in 2019, 20, and 21, we'd be going through all the crazy things that we're going through at this point in time. But God knew. And I believe that he gave me, as the new leader of the church at that time, foresight to be able to see that we need to move in a different direction and simplify and focus. And so for about seven years, from January of 2009 to probably about the middle or the end of 2016, we engaged here at the church in a total reset of the church. Um, I would call it the great reset of the church, but that totally freaks people out. So we'll just like not say that, okay? In church planting circles, which uh, I've taught church planting for years at Calvary Chapel Bible College, and I've taught church planters at conferences when we were doing the Calvary Church Planting Network years ago. But in church planting circles, 
what we did here at the church, what we started when I became the pastor of the church back in 2008 and with simplifying and focus in 2009, all the way through those years of simplification, what we did would be called a church revitalization or even a church replant. Calvary Chapel of Escondido, it became Cross Connection Church. That officially happened in uh, the first part of 2012, 10 years ago. So we, at that time, not only did we change the name from Calvary Chapel of Escondido to Cross Connection Church, but we cut back virtually everything that we did as a church. And this, this was hard. This pruning was really difficult. We stopped the midweek services. It took us a while to get to that. Uh, you know, I started this Simplifying Focus in 2009. I believe it was about 2011. We stopped the, the midweek Bible study. We scaled back our events. We used to have all kinds of events on the calendar that we would do as a church, so we scaled those things back. We reduced our emphasis on the long list of ministries and outreaches that we were doing or a part of. We pruned nearly every possible branch of the church. Now, during that time, and even now, some people would ask the question, why? Why, why would you do that? And there were times where I would even question, like, why are we doing this? This is hard. This is difficult and painful. But why do you prune the branch? Because just like the fig tree that Jesus cursed in the Gospels, you can find that story in the Gospels of Matthew chapter 21 and Mark chapter 11, just like the fig tree that Jesus cursed, many of the ministries that we see around us, they have a ton of leaves. They look super healthy. And when I'm talking about leaves, that is they have all kinds of systems and programs and processes and ministries and budgets, and they have all kinds of line items in their budget and all kinds of buckets in their budget. They have all these leaves. And all of that from the outsider perspective, looking at just the balance sheet, if you will, or looking at all the things that the, the church or the organization does at the end of the year, you'd say, man, that is a super healthy ministry or organization or church. But many times, all of that fluff of those leaves distract you from the fact that it's not producing a lot of fruit. And that's a challenging reality. Now, also back in 2009, I was convinced that the culture was experiencing a significant change. And the methodology for the church, not just our church, but all churches, as the culture was changing, the methodology of the church needed to change. Ministry as we knew it in the 1980s, 1990s, early 2000s, was not really beginning to be sustainable in the new cultural climate that we were headed into in you know, 2005 and on. I remember having that exact conversation with our church leadership about eight months before I became the pastor of this church. We had gathered together out in the desert. We were at a conference and we had a gathering one night with just our pastoral and leadership team back in September of 2007, so about eight months before I took over the church, and I shared those exact things. I shared at that time that throughout church history, the, the message of the church has not changed, but the methods for getting that message to the masses, to the culture, had to continually change. If you were to move to another country right now as a missionary, you would begin by spending a considerable amount of time learning the language and the culture of that new community so that you could effectively reach that culture. And like it or not, Western culture has changed dramatically in the last 25 years. The advent of the internet when I was in junior high and high school, it was just starting to come out. The advent of the internet was a major spark for change. And then you had the, the dot-com bust of 2000. Some of you might have lost some money in that dot-com bust of 2000. That was another kind of igniter of change, the terrorist attacks of 9-11-2001.
And the wars that followed those terrorist attacks, that fueled change in a huge way. The housing bubble and the economic collapse of 2008 and 2009 was another accelerant of the change. All of these major events have been one trigger after another. Now, you can add to those things the chaotic presidential elections in 2016, the chaotic presidential elections in 2020, the COVID crisis that we've been going through over the last two years. You add all that stuff to it. Culture has dramatically changed. And what has been the result of this as we look at all the changes? What has, it been, what has been the result of this as it relates to the church in the West? Pretty interesting. I remember very clearly back in 2009, um, my dad, he was always a subscriber to Newsweek magazine. So I'd go over to his house and there'd be the Newsweek magazine. I remember coming to his house in April of 2009. I stole his Newsweek magazine. I can't find it now. I wish I kept it. But somewhere along the line, it got lost. But I snagged his Newsweek magazine, April of 2009. The magazine's cover was black cover with a red uh, words in the form of a cross. And the cover said, The Decline and Fall of Christian America. The cover story was written by a journalist by the name of John Meacham, and it was a 4,000-word essay on the end of Christian America. The, the essay caused quite a stir in conservative Christian circles, so much so that for uh, just a few days after the release of that cover story from Newsweek. Meacham wrote a follow-up on Newsweek's website called We Didn't Attack Christianity. Now, Meacham didn't really attack Christianity. He, in his essay, what he really did was he was looking at the research that was coming out from groups like Gallup Research and the Pew Forum and others who were sensing a drop-off in religious identification and affiliation in the United States and the rise of a group that has come to be known as the nuns. And not like N-U-N-S that wear the little habit but nuns, N-O-N-E-S, the nuns are those in the United States who are not religiously affiliated or those who might identify as spiritual but not religious. You probably know some of these people. So 2009, that article came out because there was research that was done in 2008 that showed that there was a drop-off, the beginning of a drop-off in kind of Christian identification with churches, people leaving churches. Fast forward 10 or 12 years, and that group has grown significantly year over year, so much so that last year, in March of 2021, Gallup released um, their findings that church membership fell below the majority for the first time as of 2020. So in 2020, the, the identification of people with churches in America has dropped below half. One of the newest major shifts in the last five to eight years is what has been called Christian deconstruction or deconversion. If you haven't heard of these terms, you will. If you are in your 50s or 60s or higher, you probably have kids or grandkids who are wrestling with the idea of deconstruction or deconversion. If you are in your 30s or your 40s, like me, then you probably have friends who are wrestling with deconstruction and deconversion. If you are in your 20s, you might be wrestling with your own personal kind of crisis of faith and Christianity and deconversion and deconstruction. Why am I bringing this up? I want to highlight that culture has changed dramatically, significantly. I want to show you how we got to where we are right now. And I want to point out that the changes that we began making back in 2009 to simplify and focus, they were all ultimately with this in mind.
I could tell at that point in time that things were changing. I could see that the church needed to adapt to the changing culture and that we needed to do so so that we could more effectively reach our culture. That's the whole purpose for when Christ sent his church out into the world, was to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And Christians have been doing that as missionaries in foreign cultures for a very long time. And what we need to recognize, and I was sharing this with the church all the way back in 2008 and 2009, what we need to recognize is that our culture, even though you probably grew up here, you were probably born in this community and raised in this community as I was, our culture is now a foreign culture to us. And so we need to adapt and change so that we can reach the culture. We don't change the message, but we might need to change our methods. And one of the method changes that we made was simplifying so that we could focus on bringing that to reality, helping people experience life and connection with God, one another, and the world through Jesus, which is where we're going in the coming messages. So that's what we would do if we were missionaries in another culture. We would learn the language, learn the culture, so that we could try to introduce people to Jesus. And that's what we need to do in this culture. We need to recognize that culture has changed drastically since the first AOL CDs started coming to you in the mail back in 1993 when you had a Windows 3.1 Packard Bell computer, or maybe I was the only one who had that. But culture's changed significantly through all the different major events that have happened here in the United States and in the West. And the fact is, we are to be missionaries in our culture, in a culture that is a wholly and completely new culture. People are deconverting from old forms of evangelical cultural Christianity and they are deconstructing evangelical cultural Christianity, the, the Christianity that they grew up in. They're kind of deconstructing and moving away from that. I think that we were ahead of the curve as a church we began making some of these changes a long time ago. I've listened to a lot of deconversion testimonies, deconstruction stories online, and most of them I hear are people opting out of what they see as a consumeristic, evangelical, cultural Christianity. Unfortunately, many of those who are opting out of Christianity, they still say that they're spiritual but not religious and they're, they're no longer identifying with the church. Many of them are throwing away not only the consumeristic stuff, that has been attached to American evangelicalism, but they are also throwing away the, they're throwing out the proverbial baby with the bathwater and opting out of Christianity altogether. Obviously, I think that that is an extreme reaction and incredibly unwise because Christianity, well, Christ is the only way to the Father. And so it's essential that we get that message out to people and we find a way to reach the community that we live in, the culture that we are in that has changed radically. We need to be able to recognize that the old methodologies may need to be set aside, but the message of the church doesn't need to be set aside. It needs to be emphasized even more so because that is the message that your neighbors and your friends and your family members, the people you go to school with, the people you work with, the people you live next door to, they need to hear that message. And sadly, there are a fair amount of people who are opting out of not just the cultural forms of what has become kind of evangelical Christianity in America and late 20th century models of that, but they're opting out of the gospel as well. They've walked away from those things because they think that those things are identical and they're not. They're not. What we've done here at Cross Connection Church over the last 14 years proves that those are separate things. And there sadly are a fair amount of people who are opting out of both. 
they are the nuns. They are the not religiously affiliated, the spiritual, but not religious in 2022. So back in 2009, I shared that we as a church were going to be working to simplify and focus. And after sharing that, um, we did something of a deconstruction of Calvary Chapel of Escondido, and it was painful. And I have to say that I naively thought at the time that it would be easier than it was. That was kind of the, the naivete of youth, if you will. And I have discovered that it is much easier, I think, much easier to plant a whole new church than it is to replant an existing one. It's very challenging to go through all of that. And along the way, I have seen that this process was painful for everybody that was involved. And along the way, I've seen that a lot of people gave up on us as we were making these changes that we made. And I partly understand that because change is never easy. And you and I have been kicking and screaming against the change that we've been experiencing over the last two years through everything that's happened with COVID. And we would very much like for things to always stay the same, but while change is difficult, it is also inevitable. You cannot not change. And if you were here when we began this journey nearly 14 years ago and you're still here, I can only guess that there was something in you that recognized that what we were doing was necessary and important. And after the last two years, I can see even more now in hindsight than I could with the foresight that I did 14 years ago, how important making these changes was. But here's the sad truth. A, a lot of churches will not survive the cultural transformation that has happened in the last 22 months. A lot of churches have already closed their doors permanently as a result of everything that's happened due to COVID. And it's not just COVID, it's the, the cultural transformation that's happened as a result of that. A Christian research organization called Barna Group, they released findings two months ago that showed that more than one third of pastors have considered leaving the ministry as a result of everything that has challenged them over the last couple of years with COVID. Early on in the pandemic, back in August of 2020, the same group, Barna, they found that 20% of churches, one in five churches would likely close permanently due to everything that happened from COVID within 18 months of when they wrote that article and did that research. Why is this happening? It's happening because when cultural realities change, if you don't change your methods for reaching those in the culture, then you will not survive. Does that mean that the church will die? Absolutely not. The gates of hell will not prevail against God's church, but it does mean that the church as it used to be, maybe 25 years ago, it, it will not be the same. It will kind of experience a death. As the old saying goes, you have to change or die. Back in 2009, we began a process of simplification so that we could focus on our primary mission as a church, the primary mission for which Christ sent his church out into the world. Events can be fun. You know, all the big calendar events, they can be fun and good, but the church doesn't exist to put on events. Bible studies are essentially important, and you could argue that they are essentially important from the scriptures, but the primary mission of the church isn't just to have a Bible study every day of the week. Lights and projectors and you know, haze machines and all that sort of stuff, good production. All of those things might be cool and they might, you know, be nice to have, but they're not essential for the church. I don't necessarily have anything against events or Bible studies or the long list of ministries and outreaches, but sometimes 
the church can become so cluttered that it loses its focus on the essentials. We certainly were cluttered when I became the pastor of this church. And that's no knock on the previous leadership. That's just the way that pretty much every church has been for the last 40 years. We had a lot of complexity. We were incredibly busy 14 years ago. Today, we have a very simple focus. Life in connection with God, one another, and the world through Jesus. This last week, I was thinking about the movie Captain America, and I presume that you all know the story. If you don't, then spoiler alert. Uh, Steve Rogers, the main character, Captain America, you know, in the Disney Marvel movie that came out back in 2011, at the end of the whole movie, he's frozen in a plane crash in the Arctic. He's like frozen in time. And then he's found present day and he's brought back. And when he's brought back, the war is over and the world has changed and everything is radically different. And as I was thinking about that, imagine for a moment that the earliest Christians were frozen in time and they were brought back after 2,000 of years on ice, how much of what the church does or how much of what the church is like today would they be able to identify? Not a whole lot. What did the earliest church look like? What did the earliest church do? Well, the, the best pattern or description for what the early church did is given to us in Acts chapter 2 when the early church started. Beginning at verse 42, this might be a familiar passage for you. There we read, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now, all who believed were together, and had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. That right there is what we would call a simple church. Doctrine, teaching, fellowship, gathering together, caring for one another, sharing with one another, breaking of bread, which is both communion and hospitality, and prayer. And then I would add to that also kind of an organic outreach and evangelism because the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. When you get right down to it, that's what we have been trying to do here for the last 14 years, connecting with God through the scriptures, through the word, through prayer, communion, baptism, worship, serving with one another, giving, connecting with one another through fellowship, hospitality, connect groups, sharing and caring for one another and so forth, and connecting with the world through personal relationships, organic outreach and evangelism. We don't have a lot of the normal things that you might find at another church in our area, but we hope that what we have is more like the essential things that the church devoted itself to at the very beginning. Does that mean that we will never do outreach events? No but it does mean that we are more selective about what we do because it is very easy to make things complex and it is incredibly hard to keep things simple. And that's our, that's our hope, is to try to simply be those who are on mission, living life in connection with God, one another, and the world through Jesus, sharing that with other people, living life together, loving God and loving one another and honoring and glorifying the Lord through very simple things like gathering together for worship and song and service and giving, and gathering together as connect groups for fellowship and hospitality and going together out in outreach, all those different things. It is incredibly easy 
to make things complex, but it is very hard to keep things simple. And that's what we're trying to do is to focus on those simple things. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about connecting with God, connecting with one another, connecting with the world, and how we do that as a church through Christ. And I think this is more important now than at any other time in the last 14 years, because our world is in desperate need for the good news of Jesus. Life through Jesus. That's a part of our mission statement. Life in connection with God, one another, and the world through Jesus. Our culture needs that desperately. And the only way they're going to see that or come to know that is through you and through me, through this church. Hopefully through other churches as well. But it's so easy to become distracted by all the clutter and to fail to fulfill the mission. To go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. To bring them the good news of Christ. Father God, I pray that you would help us as we step into 2022 to become more effective in being simple and holding on to the essential things that you have sent us forth to do as your people in this world. Help us to be a light and a dark place. God, pour out your spirit upon your church. Once again, we pray, pray for our friends and family down at Maranatha Chapel. God, be with Vicki Bentley and her family. We pray for the Maranatha Family Chapel Church. Lord, just be with them. Pour out your spirit upon them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.